Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670 to score. David Hall and Bruce Levine here until 11 o'clock. Had a good first hour. Talked to Nico Horner, Cubs shortstop. He shared our White Sox predictions. Bruce is uh, over his skis. He has the White Sox winning 95 games. I have them winning 94. A little more realistic and reasonable there, Bruce. I think that I am balancing your oh yeah one game bashed enthusiasm by one game one yeah. one game different. <laughs> but but I do think yeah, it, it reflects that this is a team that is thinking big. And they should because yesterday's move, A.J. Pollock comes over from the Dodgers and he gives the White Sox another option in the outfield. They get rid of Craig Kimbrell. I think it's a move where both players were expendable, Bruce, and it's an exchange that really helps both teams serve the needs that they had. Yeah, well, without, without question. I mean, you know, you know, we talk about the depth that, uh, that uh, the White Sox have now in the outfield and and that, that's good in, in, a, in a lot of different ways. Uh, Pollock is, is such a uh, professional player. You know, like we said, the only only difficulties for him during his career is staying on the field. Uh, he has uh, had challenges. But last year, uh, if you look at the metrics, and you, you like metrics, uh, it was arguably his best year in baseball considering the at-bats. Uh, the 21 home runs were the most that he's hit. Uh, he just had a sensational season. So... Uh, from that perspective, the, the, the White Sox are, are getting a a player for the same amount of money that they were going to pay Kimbrel. And with all due respect to Kimbrel, he has to be a closer. He is mm-hmm. he is very much more a closer than he is anything else. And this this is a, a this is a, a trade that should help both teams possibly end up in the World Series together in 2023 you know you don't look at it this way necessarily bruce because craig kimbrell kind of had to be traded he wasn't you know a ninth inning guy with the Sox. but yesterday they lost two bullpen pieces great garrett crochet undergoing tommy john surgery and craig kimbrell to the dodgers that will be one of the things to watch moving forward how active rick Hahn is in, in terms of keeping an eye on their need for a left-handed power arm in the bullpen to replace crochet but we'll talk about that later what we want to talk to talk about now is tony la Russa. our next guest is on the guest hotline presented by circa resort and casino in las vegas home of the world's largest sports book good morning tony how are you well i'm looking forward to uh, this night game we have a chance to play in uh 
against the Diamondbacks, and they're going to honor Roland Heeman, so it's going to be a special day. What a great yeah. occasion. Yeah, that is terrific that they will honor Roland Heeman. And, and Tony, we, we are talking about the trade that was made yesterday. A.J. Pollock joins your team, and Bruce and I have been talking the first hour about just how he fits in. Left field, right field, you have the luxury of depth in the outfield. How do you see A.J. Pollock being used best? Well, like that, he's a, he's a quality pro. I had the good fortune of being in with him uh, during my time there. So I know, you know, when in those years, it was he and Paul Goldsmith were the leaders on that team. And then he goes to L.A. where he's been part of the playoffs, you know, every year, and including a world championship. Uh, he's a solid defensive player. Uh, he's got tools. He's, he runs well. He got a good arm uh you know when he makes contact the ball is alive off his bat so uh he's playing tonight he's going to play a uh, right field in our game against the diamondbacks and you know one thing about outfielders it's not like if you bring in a, an extra first baseman or second baseman you know there's only one of them but there's three outfielders and this really gives us some uh, protection where you know we can have some guys that uh, if somebody gets a little sore, or, uh, we have the depth to handle it. Tony, uh, pleasure having you on this morning. Thanks for taking the time out, uh, David. And I appreciate it. When you uh, when you look at your your DH situation, uh, you have the luxury of having some really great hitters to choose from, and you also have the luxury of uh, of moving people around and getting the best out of them as far as getting them in that role and then maybe uh, DHing to save their legs. Um, what is the balance that you look at there? How challenging is that for a manager who has very good players at, at, at multiple positions on the team? Well, I remember from my previous experience in American League, and then it was, you know, you go in the National League and it's not the same. Now you come, I came back last year. Uh, you got well. You don't sometimes have a choice because sometimes you have such a you know an overwhelming kind of DH that he needs to play to be part of that lineup, and he's not really a defensive player. And I can give you a couple, three examples. You know, you would know who they are too. But the one that, the one that works best for a team is a situation like ours, where you can use that DH as a half a day off for uh, for like for a break you. On uh, our club, too, I remember the second half of the year when Yaz came back, I mean, he was one of our most productive hitters. So when he wasn't catching, he was able to DH. Uh, and the same thing would be true like Eloy. You can get his him off his feet. So when you can manipulate that uh, the DH spot to keep guys in the lineup without giving them a full day off when they're getting, you know, and maybe they're a little sore or they're, you know, just fatigued, it, it's really an asset to the club. And that's, We'll just uh, pay attention. You know, a guy like Jose, you know, wants to be in there every day at first base, but every once in a while, you know, the DH makes sense. So we just will rotate it. Joined by White Sox manager Tony LaRusso here on Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. Tony, the, that was good news when you made the trade yesterday for A.J. Pollock. The bad news was that Garrett Crochet, the power lefty, he is going to undergo Tommy John surgery out for this season. He has special stuff. He is a guy that was developing nicely. How do you replace a guy with stuff that seems irreplaceable? 
Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna back up on Stride and, and let you know that uh, uh, you know uh, Craig Kimbrell is a really special, not just talent, but a special uh, teammate. And uh, you know, I knew him in Boston. I saw him firsthand, and he could not have been better with us as a teammate. He came in ready, trying to do his everything he could to help us. I think it was a brilliant move by Rick in the front office. And Kenny, you know, to, to add that kind of potential. I think the deeper we got into the playoffs, you know, his value would have shown itself. But when you start the season new, uh, it really is a difficult position when you've been a closer with him. He's got real good credentials to be a Hall of Fame guy. So I just want fans to know that uh, this is a very special guy. But in our situation, man, you try to put him in position to succeed. And that was – that's that's was very it'd be very difficult, and he would have handled it the best he could. But I, I just wish him the best. We all wish him the best with the Dodgers. Uh, now at the same time, uh, this game can be brutal at times with the breaks that the uh, that a player or pitcher has to go through, and that's what happened to Garrett. Uh, it was very difficult in the clubhouse after the game. You know, I and mean, he was torn up. So we we. All got together yesterday, and and, uh, and we talked about it, and, uh, and it's a lot like when Eli got hurt in spring training last year. You know that our our focus number one is on Garrett and making sure that he knows that we're behind him and uh, he's a part of everything that we do. Uh, and the one good thing about it, he's a young guy, and he gets this thing taken care of. You remember in 2020, he had some soreness there, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this this probably was going to happen at some point, and it happens now. So he can get it. He can have the surgery. He can do the rehab, and he can come back, you know, with a, with a brand new tendon there, and 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 have a, a a lot of years of a great career. So we're all very supportive. We want him to be around as much as possible, but at the same time, you know, the games count, and uh, and and we're going to have to fill that spot you know, with, with somebody else and, uh, and, you know, we'll figure it out. We'll do it. You know, we're, we're deep enough to make it work, but we're going to miss Garrett. Tony, uh, managing in the age of social media and Twitter, uh, you had to come out and uh, talk about how you uh, have always been supportive of the White Sox fans. And I remember that going back uh, to your first time with them and, and even very respectful as you were uh, always, when you were an opposing manager, but uh, how is it different now having to respond to social media as a manager and opinions of people uh, when they, when they think that you've uh, said one thing and uh, you really have meant another? I think the best thing is that you don't respond. You know, I, I mean, there's a lot of uh, issues in the first season and I, I never, Whenever it was personal, I just ignored it because there's nothing you can do about it except do your job and and uh, it, you know it's just the reality. People have opinions and they're welcome to their opinions, but when it goes to a, to something that involves someone else, like if it if if a social media uh, comment had something to do between about my relationship with a player, for example, that I know is not true, I'd speak up. In this case. Uh, this issue about me disrespecting our White Sox fans and being rude. I mean, that really bothered me because that is totally a hundred percent 
the opposite of what I feel. I mean, I felt it when I was here before. Whenever I come back to town and I would see White Sox fans, they, they knew I was part of the family, and I was very, I was very, I am very excited to be back and hopefully make them happy and be part of a team that gets to October again and goes as far as we can go. So for me to, to list and read that, you know, I, I, I meant to disrespect them, no. What I tried to say was anytime you have uh, an issue come up where people want somebody to add people to your team, you want the clubhouse to know that you believe, the coaching staff and you believe and the organization believes that we can win with what we have. And that's what I meant. I meant that I, I think the White Sox fans know that we're going to do the best we can with what we have, and it also means the front office. And they think they're working hard to make moves, but there's 29 other teams that are trying to make two moves too. So, you know, we don't get distracted about, hey, what if this guy or what if that guy gets traded aside? That's not, that's not how we operate. And uh, what I meant more than anything else was if people think we need um, another player or a pitcher or something, it's not, you know that they don't they're not they don't have the, the White Sox mentality that you know we go with what we got. Tony, I was more intrigued by something two of your players said this week rather than some fans. And in the Athletic, Ken Rosenthal quoted Liam Hendricks and Gio, Lucas Giolito as talking about the role complacency played in the second half kind of slide last year, if you want to call it that. The guys weren't as good in the second half as you were in the first and. As somebody who is known for his edge, as somebody as competitive as you are, I wondered how you interpreted those comments coming from your players. Well, I respect those guys. I mean, they, they you know, but the thing that uh, we talked about last year, and I it would mention it now, you know, these are, I said all the time, you know, men, not machines. It, you know, it's human nature to have to fight to keep your edge. And, you know, we, we had the big lead. Uh, you know, we kept having some issues with people that we were that were, we were losing, but then we got the, the you know our big outfielders back. But the one I would say to him was that overall, we fought through that, and we had a winning record every month of the 2021 season. That is really hard to do unless you're very relentless. And even in the second half, we you know here and there. You know, we uh, we were not maybe didn't push it as hard. We still managed to get the wins to to, to stay ahead of the uh, of the central. And in the end, you know, we really looked at uh, having the lead the last two or three weeks to, to say, okay, let's if you're sore, rest, don't play. If you're tired, rest, don't play. But when you play, we got to play. And we wanted to, the club. The club made the decision. They wanted to finish strong. And I know in 2020. You know they struggled, and I think, you know, we won. You know, we were like six and one, or somebody was seven out of the last ten going into the playoffs. So, yeah, you know, I just think it's a normal kind of issue when you get far ahead. There's a tendency that, uh, you know, you you can lose an edge, and we fought it, and and we handled it decently. But it's also I, I agree with the guys. You know, it's something we can learn for. Uh, I remember in Boston, you know, they won like a hundred some games because. You know, you, you know, you didn't. You keep pushing, and it's a good lesson for us. To, first of all, we got to get to that place where you know we're really doing well, and then we keep pushing. Tony Larusa joining us on Inside the Clubhouse for just a few more minutes. And interesting, Tony. Um, 
you and I were talking in the backfield a, a couple of days ago, and you know, there's a lot of you know push from Sox fans and media for you guys to go out and get another starting pitcher. E- much easier said than done. But uh, when when I talked to you about uh, you know the additions like Graveman and Harrison, uh, you 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 told me uh, you know the the belief in in what uh, Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams have been doing and how you stay out of it and are very pleased to uh, to let them do their jobs. I, I wish you could uh, reiterate some of those thoughts about the people you work with and you work for. Well, I mean, as long as I've managed, um, I understand the way it is, is, you know, between ownership and front office, you know, they, they decide the ownership decides what the budget is. And then the front office together with all their people, uh, including the scouts and player development, you know, they, they look at what is this year and, and what's, what's ahead. And, uh, they are responsible. So in the end, I mean, it's a very clear lesson to all of us in uniform as a, whether you're in the minor leagues or in the major leagues, it's their job to put guys in uniform and it's our job to get, to coach them up and get them to play as good as they can. It's that simple. Now, in, in some situations, and sometimes it happens, um, the, uh, the the front office does not do a good job of communicating with the people in uniform, like you know, coaching staff in major leagues. You know, they, but that's not the case. Every place I've been, I've been lucky that way. It's, it's that way here uh, between Rick and, and Kenny and Jeremy. Uh, we get all the information that we need about where we are, what they're trying to do, and they ask the opinion of myself and our coaches, our hitting coaches and our you know, pitching coaches and infield coaches, outfield coaches. So they take the, the communication and then they put it together with what you know with what they're doing. So I think it's it's the healthiest situation you can have. But in the end, you know, we appreciate <clears throat> like what you started with, you know, uh are, are we have they been trying to add a starting pitcher? All twenty nine clubs, other clubs are trying to do the same thing, and I just appreciate how hard they work at it and how good they've been at putting together this roster. So, you know, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do the best we can with it, and and and, uh, and whatever they give us, and they give us a lot, we'll do our best with it. Tony, you won ninety three games last year before losing to the Astros in four in the playoffs. Carlos Rodon goes to the Giants. Replacing him with Michael Kopech creates some questions, but also some opportunity and possibility. Why should Sox fans believe this team is better off than the one that lost to the Astros in the postseason? Well, I mean, I, you know, I, I struggled to answer that in the sense that you know, I, I, I want to make sure that uh, I'm, I'm also truthful and respectful. Uh, you got to give Carlos Rodon a tremendous amount of credit for how we started that season, how we got that lead to begin with. And he was just outstanding. And the fact that, you know, that towards the end he had the issues what made it a tough for us. So uh, I want to make sure that when we think about being better, we want to give Carlos credit. But somebody else is going to step into that spot in the rotation. Uh, you know, Michael has this opportunity. Now, the short in the spring uh, and the fact that we couldn't communicate is, is you know, it's having an effect on, you know, how much stamina he's got. He pitched yesterday, um, and now, I'm, I'm sorry, the night before, and now he's pitching um, 
one more time before we leave. But we got Vince Velasquez. You know, somebody's going to step up and, and do a job. Uh, the one place that I do know that we can look and get excited is that we, we're together one more year. We've been through the season. We know the stuff that we did well. We know the stuff that we needed to do better, and we've been working at it. And then uh, something I think Bruce mentioned earlier, uh, to give the front office credit, we've had a very good chemistry, and we've added a couple of guys in Kendall and Josh that are make us even better. I mean, these are two really outstanding professionals who are very good at what they do and are great clubhouse guys. So from that, for all those reasons, uh, I think that we're going to be a better club now. I do believe the division is going to be tougher, and it's you know we'll see what the record turns out to be, and we're gearing up for a tough fight. Tony, in closing with you, and again, David and I appreciate your time this morning. I know how busy your schedule is. Uh, when you uh, look at the White Sox, from uh, last year into this year, uh, how how confident are you the defense is going to be better this year? I mean, obviously, you're going to have Luis Robert from the beginning, which is enormous when you put a gold glove center fielder back in there potentially for the entire season. But uh, defensively, uh, will the White Sox be a better team, do you feel, in 2022? Well, I, yes, I do think we'll be better. I think, obviously, uh, the health of somebody as dominant as Luis in center field will will be a part of that. Uh, but I, I I know the work that's been going on for three weeks here with our uh, infield and outfield, and I think I know it's going to pay off. Um, so I think that's part of the improvement. Uh, so I just think you know at the same, you know the defense gets some attention, but. You know, we, we have some improvement offensively, too, because yeah. the, the major league's all about adjusting. A lot of pitchers and pitching staffs are going to adjust to what they what we did last year, and it's going to be up to us to make those adjustments and stay ahead of them. So it's not just the defense, it's the offense uh, and our attitude. You know, we just got to make sure we, we keep fighting no matter what. Tony, thank you so much for your time. Best of luck this season. Look forward to seeing you when you get back to Chicago. Well, I appreciate the opportunity. Tony LaRussa, White Sox manager, joining us from Arizona. A.J. Pollock in the lineup for tonight's White Sox game. Uh, that's interesting, Bruce. That's a quick transition, although he only has to jump sides of the complex, right? <laughs> the Dodgers train at the same right. Camelback Ranch, so A.J. Pollock in there. A lot of interesting stuff there we can get to. Maybe you want to weigh in 312-644-6767. Also, how many games will the Cubs win? Bruce will tell you next. So will I. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 to score. There's a high, deep drive to center field. Rodriguez back. He's at the warning track. He leaps. Say ya, see ya, so long. And his first ever Cubs hit ends up on the berm. Welcome back inside the clubhouse. Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 to score. Dave Humphrey's combined until 11 o'clock. Say ya, see ya, so long. Is that what we're going to do now, Bruce? Is that the, the home run call for... Uh, I was... Um, Mick Gillespie, Mick Gillespie. Uh, who does the AA uh, Chicago Cubs uh, Tennessee affiliate. And uh, I liked it. I liked it I a like lot. it. I do, too. Mick yeah. does a great job. He filled in this week, and Matt Spiegel gets a shot today. 
with the Cubs uh, playing later this afternoon. He, right here on the score, 2 o'clock is the first pitch, and looking forward to to hearing what Speaks has to say. With, with Suzuki homering, that was his first hit as a Cub. There will be more home runs, Bruce. Look, it's spring training, and we just got done talking to Tony La Russa, and there is optimism in the air for both teams for good reason. For the White Sox, I don't know, less good reason for the Cubs. What's realistic here? Let's talk about that with Suzuki and right field. You now have Stroman as your number two, maybe 1A starter. What's realistic to expect from the Cubs, Bruce? I do not know. I really don't. And, you know, look, I've spent a lot of time in spring training watching them. There's tremendous opportunities for a lot of players on this team. Uh, you know, again, they're, they brought in seven different relief pitchers over the last three and a half weeks. Uh have no idea what that bullpen's going to look like. They have some veterans in there like Chris Martin, uh, Chavez, Jesse Chavez, who was with them before, David Robertson. Uh, but I, I can't, I can't tell you how that's going to uh, work out. I, I, I just don't know. I don't. Uh, right now, we don't know what the rotation is. Right. Uh, one through five, we don't know who the closer is. Uh, so there, you know, we're we're only five, six days away from opening day and uh there's still question marks for david ross and who's going to be doing what well let's answer a couple of those questions wade miley is being shelved for 10 days shutting it down he experienced some soreness in his left elbow that's not good especially when he's a left-hander so we'll we'll see where the cubs number three starter when he resumes throwing and gets back in the rotation andrelton simmons the gold glove winning shortstop uh who they I think they signed one year, four million dollars as as depth as, as insurance. He's a good gold. He's a good glove guy, Bruce. But he's going to start the season on the injured list. Nico Horner, who we talked to last hour, will start at shortstop. Nick Madrigal. I agree with you. There's a lot of unknowns, and there's a lot of veterans who, you know, the bullpen committee. And you've got a guy like Clint Frazier who is trying to prove that he wasn't a bust with the Yankees, and he's playing freer, and he feels. Yeah, better. The great story by Megan Montemiro in the Tribune the other day about him having facial hair and him understanding that now is uh, not being with the Yankees, he can be himself. I've got him down for 78 wins, Bruce. I think the Cubs win 78, just under 500. They flirt with respectability. They maybe start out better than we think, but I don't think they're deep enough, and I don't think their pitching is good enough to get them over that 500 hump. I got them winning 78 games this year. Well, I, I like that number. Uh, I think it can be anywhere from 70 to 85 wins, depending on how it breaks. Uh, I know that's not giving anybody a, a firm idea, but uh, you know what? Let's uh, let's go out to the phone lines and see what uh, other people are thinking about. That's a great idea. The Score Listener line is powered by BetQL. Bet smarter, beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. Let's start with Paul in Elmhurst. Paul has a Cubs prediction. Welcome inside the clubhouse, Paul. Hi. Uh, I think they're going to be, unfortunately, a lot worse than you guys are talking about. I just think this roster is full of holes, and I can't see them winning more than 70 games. It's a long season, Paul. That's going to be a long season. Maybe. You're right. Maybe. Thanks for the phone call, Bruce. Well, here's one thing that that I looked at the the Cub team for, and and if if you want to take it as a negative, you can. If you want to take it as – there's a lot of opportunity to be that guy. You can. And that is 
there's really no star player on the Chicago Cubs the way it is set up right now. Wilson Contreras is the closest to that. But, uh, you know, I can't remember in, in many years, um, even when, uh, you know, back in the some of the 90s and, you know, back in the uh, middle 2000s when they didn't compete uh, a few years, that they didn't have a star. And I, I don't know if that's a requisite for, you know, okay, we're not going to be good, but at least we have a star to come out and look at. But it's also good news from the perspective that the Madrigals, uh, the Horners, uh, the, the Suzukis, they can become that next guy, okay? They can become that next fan favorite. They were going to have ample opportunity to do so. So I'm, I'm not doom and gloom when it comes to the fact that there's no big star in this team. It's just a, a harsh reality that they are in transition. You're right, Bruce. There isn't a star. Is that what they mean by the slogan, it's different here? Because they usually have a star. This year, it is different here. There's no star to be found. If you want to call it Wilson Contreras, that's with an, with an asterisk because is he truly a star and will he be here very long? Say a Suzuki? Maybe. Maybe. But there's no definites there that you can count on making a transition. I think he could be the Cubs MVP. I think Nick Madrigal could be the most surprising breakout kind of player. Those would be my two choices. How about you? Yeah, I like the idea of Horner playing short every day and, and showing what he has. He's a 300 hitter. Uh, limited time uh, on the field. You know, last year, I think it was only 40 games. Obviously, he only played 20, I think 28 or 29 out of the 60 the year before. 2019, he came up at the end of the year and was uh, terrific, but it was only for about 25 games. So there's plenty to prove there that uh, you're a starting shortstop in the major leagues. But uh, I like his ability. And, and if he's healthy, I, I think he's got a chance. You know, and then you, you look at the outfield. There, there's chances for guys like uh, Clint Frazier and, uh, and, and Hermosillo to uh, start every day in center field if it's not going to be uh, if it's not going to be Jason Hayward it's going to be one of those guys out there mm. uh, there are there are guys out there uh, you know Ian Happ has not done enough yet to say that he is a star he had 25 home runs last I year but he had that. he had three and a half months where he did nothing he had a terrific last six weeks of the season uh, consistency has to be a part of Hap's game if he's going to take the next step up as a uh, star player in the league. Bruce, before we get to the phone lines again, does Michael Hermosillo make the opening day roster? I think he does, yeah. Wow. Very good defender. He, he, he might be the best defender uh, in the outfield for Great the story. Chicago Cubs. I love uh, that story. Yeah, it, it is a good story. And, and I think people are going to like Frazier, too. He's, he's starting to hit. There's going to be ample opportunity out there. I'm not pushing Jason Hayward out the door. But, uh, you know, they, they are going to have to, you know, if, if he doesn't, quote, unquote, earn his at-bats after the first couple months, it's going to be someone else's position. Let's go out to the phone lines. Otto is in Westmont. Good morning, Otto. Welcome inside the clubhouse. Gentlemen, thanks for taking my call. I think the Cubs are, well, I don't think, the Cubs are a fantastic money-making opportunity for their ownership, uh, and they do a great job of raising money. Unfortunately, they don't turn that money around back into talent on the field. Uh, and seeing these commercials on the, on the television showing all these quote-unquote great moments in Cubs history and come on out here and spend your money at Wrigley Field, but it's just going to pad the ownership's, ownership's bottom line. That's all this is. The team is, is, is uh, 
The team is a moneymaker. That's all it is. It's not a – I'd almost rather – and I hate to say this. I'd almost rather see the McCaskies on the Cubs. At least they, at least there I know we got some guys that are actual fans that care about what the team's going to do. Um, and I know it's uh, – uh, guys like Bruce, you got to make sure you keep ownership happy or they'll uh, <laughs> shut in. They, they won't let you in the Otto, locker room. Otto, Otto, wait a second. Otto, Otto, wait a second. First of all, th- that, that's not really fair to Bruce. And secondly, it's a, it's okay. Tom Ricketts can be criticized right. for a lot of things, but do you think he's not a fan of the Cubs? Not enough. Not enough to where he's going to spend money on the team and get guys out there and said we have – people that we have a lot of chances. That means a lot of question marks. And when there's question marks, they're going to lose. I don't. Let me ask you a question. Way too much money coming in to put out the, the amount of product and the amount of pay that is, that is put into their players. I don't. Let me ask you a question. And I think your, uh, your criticism of me is fair and and you're always going to have an ability to come on the show and tell what your thoughts are. But when they offered Baez, when they offered Rizzo, when they offered Bryant contracts that were more than what they ended up signing for, was that not a commitment to trying to be better in the future and spend their money? Well, Mike, I would counter with the question, why does it have to be Bryant, Rizzo, Baez? Why can't it be other players? You you tell us, tell us the ones that they missed on. I don't have a list in front of me. That's what the experts okay. are for, right? Well, again, this is a transition. I, I, I don't. Thanks for your call. Thanks and, for the phone uh, call, Otto. And, yeah. and again, call, call again. Look, uh, criticism is is fair. You know, they they didn't spend their money. The question is, sh- was there money to spend that would have been smart for where they're going, what direction they're in? Their farm system is now rated three or four, depending on who you listen to. It was twenty seven, twenty eight for all those years. Uh, that they were competitive. This is a transition year. There's there's no way to to sugarcoat it. Uh, what that transition is going to look like, we're soon going to find out. Bruce, this is my only criticism of of the Ricketts this off season. What we have said about them lacking a star is true and undeniable. They certainly have the financial wherewithal to afford to be the highest bidder for any star that was on the free agent market. I felt like Carlos Correa was that guy who they, they did. I, I know, but get it done. You know, pull it they, off. Yeah, but did anyone else give him a 10-year deal? No, no, but I guess Would you have that, been happy right. with a one-year contract for him? I would have been happy with him in a Cub uniform on Thursday. That Whatever it would have required to get that done, yeah. as real unrealistic as it might be to hold him to that standard, that's the fan standard to which we're holding Tom Ricketts. And I think that's an understandable right. reaction. The other stuff is, I think, baggage and will take time to sort out and sort through, and he's an easy target because, you know, the biblical losses and chasing Chelsea and these kinds of things are contradictions. But I think that when you talk about Carlos Correa specifically, that's the one area I wish they would have gotten it done any way they would have needed to do. Any, any Let's way be honest about Carlos Correa. He took the most money he could get, no matter who it was, with all due respect to the Minnesota Twins, for one year. That's a three-year deal, but it's only going to be a one-year deal unless he gets hurt, okay? Then it'll be a three-year deal. He's making the most money of any position player in baseball for that one year. $35,100,000 is what he's making, right. and he's biding his time to go to another sense. place, right. you know, uh, right? Bruce, I'd rather defend you than argue with you right now because I don't like Otto coming after you. I don't like people coming after you. I think, I think it's great that he did. I mean, honestly— uh, 
That's All what right. this forum is I know. for, David. It's You're right. Open, okay. It's an open forum. We don't cut people off. We didn't cut him off. We gave him his. We gave him his. No, vote. I'm saying the other people. Yeah. Other people hang up. I I, I welcome challenges. Good. Honestly, good. Well, I, people will have plenty to challenge when we come back because you're going to make your predictions for both teams, uh, pennant winners and divisional winners, and we'll get through that real quick. We'll we'll share that with you in our final segment on Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, six seventy. I do believe. I hope. Um, I'm, I'm, that the players will see the effort we made to address their concerns in this agreement um, as an olive branch in terms of building a better relationship. Um, we built some processes um, into this agreement where we're going to be interacting more regularly with players on topics like the international draft and rule changes. Um, I, I think those opportunities for positive interaction um, um, help to build a, a, a better relationship. Welcome back to the Chicago Sports Radio 67. That was Rob Manfred. Talking about the ground you've got to cover in terms of making it back up to trust that has been lost with players and with fans, Bruce. Let's see if everybody comes back to baseball this week. Opening day, days away. Cannot wait. Let's do our predictions. Let's start with the American League. Division winners and wild card qualifiers. Who you got? All right, sir. For the American, for the National League Central, I have the Brewers winning the division. Brewers, Cards, Cubs, Reds, and Pirates. National League East, I have the Braves, Phils, Mets, Marlins, and the Nats. National League West, Dodgers, Padres, Giants, Rockies, D-backs. American League Central, I have the White Sox, Tigers, Twins, KC, Indians, uh, LA, uh, AL East, I have Blue Jays, Yanks, Boston, Tampa, O's, and the West, I have the M's, uh, followed by Houston, Angels, Texas, and A's. I have the White Sox and the Dodgers in the World Series. Excellent. All right. Okay. So, in the interest of time, I'll just go my division winners in the National League. Braves, Brewers, Dodgers, wild card NFL, NL teams, Cardinals, Mets, Padres, and in the American League, Blue Jays are going to win the East, Astros are going to win the West, White Sox are going to win the Central, and the wild card teams will be the Yankees, the Red Sox, and because I've picked them to make the playoffs the last like, 15 years, the Angels because they always pick the Angels in preseason, and they never make it. But I'm going to go with the Angels as a wild card qualifier. And in the ALCS, I have the White Sox beating the Blue Jays, winning the pennant, and the Dodgers beating the Braves. And in the World Series prediction, Dodgers and White Sox, Bruce, I have the Dodgers beating the White Sox. In four games to two, like 1959? That would be something. Yeah, I don't remember yeah, 1959, was, but let's go I, with that. You know what? All of our all of our picks for division winners, other than uh, uh, the American League West, were the same. Our our picks for the World Series teams were the same. I, I didn't pick. I'm gonna I'm gonna say the White Sox win in seven uh, for the World Series. I like it. So I like. So it. there you go. I mean, AL MVP Bruce. AL MVP is Luis Robert. Well, that's right. You picked that early. I like that. I think Vlad Guerrero Jr. How about Cy yeah. Young? Cy Young in the American League, uh, I will go with uh, Dylan Cease. Wow. Out on a limb. 
Okay, Shane Bieber. I think he's going to lead uh, lead baseball in strikeouts this year. Shane Bieber will become the first Guardians pitcher to ever win the Cy Young Award because the and Guardians the only Guardians pitcher. Exactly. <laughs> How about National League MVP? MVP in the National League. I'm going to go with. Um, I'm I'm going to go with uh, probably. Dodgers and um, their shortstop Trey Turner. You can be, you can make a lot of guys pick a lot of guys on the Dodgers and I'm, not I'm be picking, wrong or I'm outrageous. Picking, I'm picking Trey Turner. Okay, wow, that's a that's a that's a little bit out there. Juan Soto, I, I think Juan Soto is going to stay healthy, put up some big numbers to get that. Uh, I, I think he's definitely the guy. It's his time now. Cy Young, my choice, not exactly out of limb, but I love the idea of him changing teams and and not changing anything about his performance level. Max Scherzer, Mad Max, comes back, wins Cy Young for the New York Mets. I'm going to go with a probably a, a Mets pitcher as well, and I'm going with, I'm going with you. I think, I think Scherzer's the guy. Yeah. All right. Well, you know yeah, what, I'll, Bruce? I'll at this with it. This is the point of the program I've waited for an hour and 53 minutes to remind you that a year ago at this time I picked Shohei Otani to win the MVP, which is the reason I wanted to do this segment so I could successfully pick the MVP again. Yeah, well, this year he might be the Cy Young Award winner instead. And next year <laughs> I look forward fantastic. to bringing you back in, in a year from now to, to tell you that maybe I was right again. Hey, I have to be right about something once in a while. I, I'm I living think it's great. The Otani I, one. I'm 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 hoping people forget our predictions because they're usually pretty far off, you know. So uh, you you deserve credit for last year's. And people can follow me on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine. Also on our website, I write Cubs and Sox every day during the baseball season at 670thescore.com. We have people to thank, David. Yes, we do. Thank you to everyone who listened. Thank you to Tony Larusa. Thank you to Nico Horner. Thank you to Cesar Perez for keeping us on the air. And thank you to you, Bruce, for lining everything up, taking your, your share of hits, and, and also just having some fun baseball conversations. I love Otto. Otto's my, my, my main man. Stay right here on The Score. Next is Steve Rosenblum and Adam Stadzinski, Saturday Suckage. 2 o'clock, the Cubs, Matt Spiegel, play-by-play. And at 645, big game for the Bulls tonight against the Heat. Keep it right here on The Score all day long. Thank you for listening. This is Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.